0: We're going to be over in the book of Mark, beginning over in chapter 1 this morning. I've been doing a series on gratefulness, thankfulness, how important it is for us to be grateful and thankful. The Word of God says that we should be grateful and thankful, how many times? Always. That we are always to be. So if we are ever not thankful, forever ever not in that place, then we are unthankful. And we've got to make sure that we don't get into an unthankful area. Adam and Eve, when they were in the garden, had everything perfect. It was all gorgeous all the way around. And they had all the trees to eat from. The weather was nice. You just couldn't ask for anything better. And then the devil shows up and he gets Eve and Adam to think about, well, isn't it kind of sad that you can't eat from this one tree? And they became ungrateful for all the trees that they could eat from. And suddenly longed for the one that they couldn't. And that's really the area of temptation. If we would remain thankful all the time for all that God has done, for all that God is doing for us, if we just would stay in a place of thankful, thankfulness, oh, glory to God, we wouldn't have half the trouble we do. That's why the Word of God says over and over again, be thankful always. 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 The other verse of Scripture says, enter into His gates with and into His courts with and this is how we should be. How this should be our normal state. But a lot of times, We have to work ourselves up to being thankful because normally we're not. And that's not the way we are supposed to be. Now sometimes when we examine the Scriptures here on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights, sometimes we spend a lot of time looking at a few verses. But today we're going to be looking at a lot of verses. And it's basically for one reason. Over here in Mark chapter 11... I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 11. I'm just going to read this verse. If you're over there Mark, you can just stay there. They'll flash it up there on the screen for you. But in Mark chapter 11, verse 20, then he began to rebuke the cities in which he, in, in which most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. He specifically rebuked certain cities. The cities that he began to rebuke were those for which he did his his mighty works in. He did most of his mighty works in this in this area. And he began to rebuke them. Now, we're going to look at this rebuke later on, but how about if we just take some time and take a look at where he did most of his works and the things that had been done. Now, in Mark chapter 1, we can go to a lot of places in Scripture and a lot of these uh, events that we're told about are told in other areas of Scripture besides these ones. But in Mark chapter 1, we're going to begin over there. Over in verse 14. Now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. And you're going to find out that this is where Jesus did most of his miracles, in the area of Galilee. There's a couple of unique things about Galilee. One, this is his hometown. Jesus' hometown was? Nazareth, which is in the region of Galilee. It's just like, you know, we're in Warrington, which is in the region of Philadelphia. It's something around, around those areas. So it's a region of Galilee. And a number of cities we're going to see that pop up quite often. Capernaum being the most prominent. But Nazareth will be in there. And we'll see a few other cities that will also pop up. But this is where he began. And over in verse 21, then they went to Capernaum. And immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Now there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit and he cried out. We'll we'll get to the unclean spirit man here in just a minute. How many times have you had it where you've been a Christian for a little while and you've heard a number of different uh, teachers and all of a sudden someone comes along who teaches and they just set you back. It's like, Wow. Boy, did my eyes get opened up when, when he or she was beginning to teach on this and to be, ah. Oh. I mean, haven't you had one of those teachers that just comes along and just opens it up and you have never seen the Word of God the way you saw the Word of God with this one? Oh, that is something. And then you came back a second time because maybe that was just a fluke. I mean, you had never heard anybody teach like that. Maybe it was just a fluke. And you came back a second time and, wow. That was awesome. I've never learned so much of the Word of God. Oh, that was so good. And you kept coming back. And you'd get tapes or CDs or now you can podcast and all kinds of stuff like that. And you'd come back and watch them on the TV or however it is that you could get connected. Show up in person or if they came on out. Whatever it is that you could do, you wanted to hear what they had to what they had to teach. You knew it was going to open up your eyes that it was going to help you understand things. And so you made a, a point for that. That's what these folks over here in Capernaum were experiencing. They had sat under the Pharisees. They had sat under the scribes. But they didn't teach the way this man did. And all of a sudden, here comes Jesus on the scene. Now, this is his hometown area. It's not like he's totally unknown. He may be mostly known in Nazareth because that was his home home area. And Capernaum, is, a, it's, a, you know, it's not real far away, but it, uh, it. it's not like he was a real famous carpenter. And if you wanted to get the best uh, desk or dresser or whatever it was built, this is the guy to go to. It, we don't know that it was anything like that. But when they heard him teach, they said, Wow, who is this guy? Where did he come from? They were astonished at his teaching. Now, put yourself in that position because this is where the people of Capernaum are. This is their introduction to Jesus. Awesome teaching. No one has taught us like this. We've never heard the Word of God opened up or explained in this way. The Word of God has become life. It's not a set of rules and regulations anymore. It's, it's a living document. Oh, it's... Wow! And then as they got the time to enjoy all that nice teaching, there was a man in their synagogue. And I think this is really interesting. There was a man in their synagogue. Understand what this is saying. There was a man in their synagogue. It doesn't sound like he just walked in. This is a man who is in their synagogue, and he is demon possessed. Far <laughs> be it that we'd have church people that are demon possessed, right? <laughs> oh man, boy. Sometimes you see some of those folks, especially if in history. Don't ever do any uh, study of church history and things. Some of the people that came up through church history, I wonder. Mm. They didn't seem to be following after God at all. But there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit. And he cried out saying, let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. So here you are, you're in the synagogue. Don't just read these words, folks. Understand this, they are telling you events. This is what happened. You have just sat in a synagogue and someone opened up the Word of God to you like no one had ever opened it up to you before. And then all of a sudden, this guy who's been in your synagogue, who apparently has an unclean spirit, stands up and says this and rebukes him in the middle of church. (laughs) And everyone else is so enjoying the message. And here, he's getting rebuked by this guy. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, be quiet and come out of him. Now, if this is a demon-possessed man, and he's in their synagogue, do you think this is the first time he spoke up? Well, they probably knew he had an unclean spirit because he spoke up before. So when he spoke up before, what do you think was done? Nothing. Oh, his Brother Ed again. I hope he doesn't open his mouth up today. Oh, it so bothers me when he does that. And here he does it again and everybody's expected the same old thing to happen. But Jesus rebukes him. And the unclean spirit comes out of the man. We haven't had synagogue like this before. This is a little bit different. Usually we just let him ramble on and go on with the service. But Jesus rebuked him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. That, how many of you all know that's unusual, church? We don't usually have people convulsing on the floor. And they were all amazed. So that they questioned among themselves, saying, Who, What is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey Him. We had not seen this before. No one's done this. It's a new doctrine. Something. Wow. And immediately... His fame spread throughout all the region around Galilee. Now, they didn't have phones. They didn't have internet. They didn't have newspapers or TV. And yet, people still talked to each other. And word began to spread. You should, you should have been in synagogue today. You know what happened? This guy Jesus showed up. Oh, you should have heard what he taught. And then, Brother Ed stood up. You know Brother Ed. You know the things that he does. And Jesus rebuked him. And the thing went out of him. Really? Boy, what a day. This was not a good day to miss. Is he coming back? I think so. And word began to spread about this guy who shows up and teaches like no one else had ever taught and then rebukes demon spirits. In Capernaum this happened. Now as soon as they had come out of the synagogue, we're still in the same day. They had entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother, in other words, his mother-in-law lay sick with a fever and they told him about it at once so he came and took her by the hand lifted her up and immediately the fever left her and she served them probably came over to the house and Peter said look, we would normally have a lot more food for you here but you know mom-in-law, she's sick oh, let's take care of that and he goes up and lay hands on her and now you can get up and take care of us <laughs> and she gets up and serves them Oh, no, that was just a fever. But no one walks into a house and lays hands on the host, gets rid of the fever so she can get up and take care of him. That hasn't happened before. And at evening, we're still on the same day when the sun had set. They brought to him all who were sick and those who were demon-possessed. We'll see, word is spreading around. And pretty soon people hear, I know someone who's demon-possessed. I got an uncle. Boy, would I like to get the devil out of him. Oh, man. you got an uncle. My husband. I'm going to bring my husband out to the meeting. And they're they're starting to talk. Oh, I I think there's a devil in this one. I'm going to bring him out just to see. And they start getting all this stuff spread. They said, where's Jesus at? And they begin to find Jesus and they bring everything. Sick people, demon-possessed people, and they all come around. In one day, are these people excited? These are some excited people. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. The whole city gathered together at the door. Wow. Then He healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out demons. And He did not allow the demons to speak because they knew Him. This is quite an opening day. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place and there he prayed. Solitary place means you're by yourself. How I many you ever want to get out to a place by yourself? Especially after a day of ministry like Jesus just did. I'm sorry, he wanted to be off by himself. And he's praying. And so they all get up and where's Jesus at? We found some more sick people. We found some more demon possessed people. Where's Jesus at? Where's he at? I don't know. I, did you see, I didn't see him go anywhere. I thought he was here. He's not here. And they're all looking for him. So they all spread out and they start looking for him. And when they found him, they said to him, Everyone is looking for you. Why are they all looking for him? Got stuff they want. But they said to them, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also, because of this for this purpose I have come. And he was preaching in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and casting out demons. So he started in Capernaum, and he had a wonderful first day. How many of you all know, you'd to have the meeting continued to a second day if you had a meeting like that. But he does. He says, now we need to go to some of the other towns around here. And so he goes to some of the other towns around Capernaum. Now, if you can picture Israel on a map, Galilee is a, is a city, in, and Capernaum is near the Sea of Galilee, and it's towards the top end of it. And that's what Jesus is. And there's a lot of other cities. Nazareth is out towards the, if you were to go south, and then over to the east, that's or over to the west, that would be the area where Nazareth is. And he's got some other places up there he's going to be going. But he's going around the towns that are all around in here. Checking them out. Preaching the gospel. He's going to have some days like, like that. Verse 40. Now a leper came to him, employing him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing be cleansed. As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And he strictly warned him and sent him away at once. He said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer your cleansing, offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded as a testimony to them. However, he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the matter so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city, but was outside in deserted places and they came to him from every direction. So again, we're not looking at many days here. And Jesus heals this leper guy and he goes around telling everybody, Remember me? I had leprosy. You see? It's clean. It's gone. You know why? Jesus. <laughs> Is that that same guy who's casting? It? Yeah, the same guy. I didn't have a demon, but I had leprosy. And it's gone. He just said something and gone. Wow, look at that. I'm all, I'm all better now. And he began to tell everybody. And everybody knew him. And they knew what it would look before. It doesn't look that way anymore. It doesn't have leprosy anymore. He's clean. People are getting excited. So as soon as they see Jesus enter the city, they just... So He can't enter the city anymore. He has to be out in deserted places. Because you enter the city, you have narrower streets, you have places. It could be a problem. So He wants to be out in the open in the deserted places. And they all come to Jesus. So no longer does He go to the church. The church comes to Him. All they got to hear is, what area of the wilderness is He at? Let's go! And they all head on out there. That's what they want to do. They all want to be around where, where He is. Well, wouldn't you? Absolutely. So we're seeing that excitement about Jesus is building. People are getting excited. But then we see that things begin to change. And here in chapter 2, we begin to see the, the beginnings of the change. I'm just going to read this story or, or summarize this story because we've read this before. But this is the paralytic who gets lowered down into the roof. And do you remember that the word of God says, and if you don't believe me, of course you would, but if you don't, (laughs) (laughs) you can just read it in your Bible there and just take it on home and take a, take a look, have some homework. You can read this part in chapter two, but you'll notice there in the Bible that it says that the power of God was present to heal one, all All. All. the present, the power of God was present to heal all. There were Pharisees there at this point. He was still popular with the Pharisees. There were other spiritual leaders. They were, they were in somebody's home. Again, the homes don't work out so well. And people came and they couldn't get there. So these guys said, let's take apart the roof. They take apart the roof. They lower the guy down in. And he comes on down and Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. And everybody got upset. This doesn't line up with our doctrine. And Jesus knew their thoughts. And he says, well, so do you know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or rise up and walk. So he turns to the man and says, rise up and walk. Take up your bed and go home. I would have stayed for the meeting. But you do what you're told when Jesus is there. And so he rose up, took up his bed and went home. That's quite a meeting already. But the power of God was present to heal all. And yet we find out in the story only one was healed. Because things began to change. Then the Pharisees decided that, you know what? This doesn't line up with our doctrine. Now, we're not into this for, for many days here. If a guy comes into your neck of the woods and preaches like this, cast out demons, you bring sick people, they go home well, a leper gets healed, more demon possessed people, spirit is gone. People are, are, are in their right mind. And he teaches like you've never heard anybody teach. How many of you are going to give him the benefit of the doubt when he says something or does something you don't know about? Well, if you don't, you ought to. Give him the benefit of the doubt. I mean, maybe you don't buy it into a hook, line, and sinker just yet. But you say, well, I'm not sure about Jesus healing sins, but I didn't know that people could cast out demons either. So I'm going to listen to this and find out what's going on about this. But they don't do that. They immediately judge that that's not right. And so we see that there's a change of attitude with him. Well, over in, chapter, in verse 13, the same chapter, he finds Matthew, Levi, the tax collector. And he gets him into the be one of his followers. And he says, I'm going to come over to your house for dinner. And so they come over to his house for dinner, and other tax collectors come too. Because he's a tax collector. Guess who his friends are? Other tax collectors. So he invites his friends to all come over and see Jesus who came to dinner. And so they got a whole room for him. And the Pharisee's looking there and he says, Alright, he forgives sins. We don't like that so much. And now he sits there and eats among sinners. And Jesus says to them, It's not the well. They need a physician. It's the sick. That's why I'm here. Well, they didn't like that so much. Then in verse 18, they come up and say, the disciples of John and the Pharisees were fasting. Then they came and said to him, why do the disciples of John and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples don't fast? So they're already starting to question this guy. They're already seeing themselves as, well, he doesn't know everything that he should know. Hmm. That's so great about this. Now, he had some fantastic teaching there about fasting. But again, we're, we're just looking at the, the overall picture here. We can't get into that. We've gotten into that before, but fantastic teaching on fasting. Verse 23, Now it happened that he went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and as they went, his disciples began to pluck the heads of grain. And the Pharisees said to him, Look, why do you do what is not lawful on the Sabbath? So, before they're met at because they're not fasting, and now they're mad at because they're plucking heads of grain, and it's the Sabbath. So they just now they're looking for stuff. And as soon as they they get it, you're not lining up with our doctrine. You're not lining up with what we think you ought to do. And they get in there and they begin to pick on it. So then we come to chapter 3. And he entered the synagogue again. And a man was there who had a withered hand. So they watched him closely, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, Step forth. Now, I know from the Greek, and there's a couple of variations of this in the New Testament. But I'm told that from the Greek, the way this is worded, Jesus actually says to him, be arising into the midst. In other words, there was something going on here. And it was all about this man in the withered hand. And he said, be arising into it. There's trouble here. You get in right on into the trouble. And he brought him right into the trouble. And he stood him up there. And he says, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or evil, to save a life or to kill? But they kept silent. And when he looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. Wouldn't you get excited about that? Not these guys. And the Pharisees went out and immediately plotted with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. They don't like the Herodians. They don't get along with the Herodians. But... As the uh, proverb goes, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. friend. So they all have a common enemy now, Jesus. Because he's going around healing people, casting out demons, restoring withered hands, and he's even doing some of that on the Sabbath. I mean, come on. Six other days you can get healed. Sabbath day is not for that sort of thing. That's what their, their thing was. But, it, but the people, they're not, they're not with the Pharisees on this. The Pharisees are all by themselves. The people are loving this. Oh, this is great. We can get rid of some problems we've never been able to get rid of. I wonder how many doctor's offices went out of business in the area of Galilee. I mean, they probably had a whole lot of shingles up there, you know, doctor right here. And some of them had to close up because there weren't enough sick people anymore. Had to go find another job. Now, we haven't left the area of Capernaum and Galilee yet. We're still in this same area. We have not left. All these miracles have taken place in the area of Capernaum In the area, region of Galilee. It's where all these miracles are going on. Would you imagine seeing all this stuff? And Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea. He left the city to go out by the sea. Because Capernaum is right there on the sea. And a great multitude from Galilee followed him. Not just from Capernaum. Not just from a couple of cities. The whole region of Galilee. They're all coming up. And even from Judea. They're even coming up. Word is spread. I mean, that's a long way to go. From Judea and Jerusalem and Idumea and beyond the Jordan. On the other side of the Jordan, they're coming to see Jesus. A great multitude, when they heard how many things he was doing, came to him. Now, if you're pulling a multitude, we're not just talking about a city. We're not just talking about the region of Galilee. We are not just talking about the region, the, the nation of Israel. We're talking about nations beyond are coming to see Jesus. They're coming from beyond the Jordan. So he told his disciples that a small boat should be make, kept ready for him because of the multitude lest they should crush him. That's a multitude. Now, I'm just uh, look at this verse. Be careful with reading this verse here. And he healed many so that as many as had afflictions pressed about to what? Touch him. Pressed about to touch him. People were not willing to wait for Jesus to touch them. They said, I'm just going to get in there and touch him myself. And apparently people were being healed by touching them because it says here that many were were pressing in to try and do that. You won't keep doing this unless it worked. What region are we in again? Galilee. For he healed many so that as many as had afflictions pressed about to touch him. And the unclean spirits whenever they saw him fell down before him and cried out saying You are the Son of God. And he sternly warned them. That they should not make him known. Now, then he goes from here, and out of all his disciples, he picks his twelve, and that comes on the next, uh, the next part there. But this is this is pretty exciting stuff, isn't it? These folks are having some fun. They're having some meetings. People are getting saved. People are getting healed. People are being ministered to. This is good over in Luke chapter 6. It says, And he came down with them and stood on a level place with a crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon who came to hear him and be healed of their diseases as well as those who were tormented with unclean spirits. And they were healed. And the whole multitude sought to touch him for power went out from him and healed them all. This is the same story just from Luke's account. The whole multitude sought to touch him, for power went out from him and healed them all. So this is just getting more. After a while, you would think you would run after, run out of sick people, wouldn't you? But they still keep finding a way. Now, verse uh, twenty. Then the multitude came together again, so that they could not so much as eat bread. This is how tight they were all packed in there. They're just all over. But when his own people Heard about this, they went out to lay hold of him, for they said, He is out of his mind. His own people, the people who knew him over at Nazareth, because they're in the region of Galilee, just as close to Capernaum, but not far from Nazareth. And so they come on out. And they said, "We, Jesus has lost his mind. He's over there casting out demons out of people and making lepers well and getting sick people healed. Empowered, they say, is going out from him to heal people. And he's just lost his mind. We need to go over there and fix him. (laughs) I mean, come on. Some people just... You just don't need to fix that. That's okay. Well, the scribes went on down too. And they began to question about how he he cast out demons and stuff like that. But I just wanted to see the attitude of his own people. What they're bringing. Then... Verse 31, then his brothers and his mother came and standing outside, they sent to him calling him. Apparently his mothers and his brothers were among his own people who come out. Now, I'm sure that his mother was not one of those ones who thought he was out of his mind because his mother treasured those things in her heart that the angel had said, but it's more his own people that were doing this. And he answered and saying to them, who is my mother and my brothers? And he looked around in a circle at those who sat around him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God is my brother and my sister and mother. Verse 1 of chapter 4. And again he began to teach by the sea. Has he left yet? He's still here, isn't he? And he teaches one of those things that, all oh, we love them so much, right? The parable of the sower. This is when he began to teach in parables. Why does he begin to teach in parables? Because the Pharisees, he's trying to teach around the Pharisees is basically what he's doing. We're going to teach around these guys so they don't hear and get into trouble. So he's already feeling rejection from them, but the people are still receiving. So he has this wonderful teaching of the parable of the sower. He goes in and explains the parable to his disciples and he has a few more parables that he he shares. And he tells... And then let's get on over here to verse 35. On the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. The other side of what? Galilee. The, 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 the sea This there, the Sea of Galilee. He's going to go over to the other side. Now, it doesn't mean he's going to cross the whole thing. He's really crossing to the other side of the northern area There is all that he's doing. And as they're crossing over the other side, the storm comes up. And it scares the fishermen in the boat, and they wake Jesus up, and Jesus of course calms the storm, and you know the story about that. Why were you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? He wasn't too happy with all that. And so he, he just gets up in there, and the whole, all the disciples are amazed. We've never seen anybody speak to storms before, and the storm, listen, this was, uh, this was something else. Now, somewhere in this neck of the woods, somewhere in this time frame right here, might be a little bit earlier, might be a little bit later, but somewhere right around this time frame, we have something else that comes up and this is in Luke chapter 7. In Luke chapter 7, we have the centurion servant. The centurion servant, in fact, uh, pull that up on the screen there. I don't want to move and go over to it. Luke chapter 7, verse 1. I just wanted to say, take a look at verse 1. Now, when he concluded all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he what? Entered Capernaum. So, guess where we are? Capernaum. We're in the area of Galilee. We're in the same area. We haven't. We're still in the same. He went over the other side, but he came on back, and he's, he's just messing around up in this uh, this whole area here. And so we have this. And when he comes into the city, he is greeted by some servants of the centurion who he sends. He says, "I got a servant. I need you to, you know, come help us out here with that." And so, he does. We have this, the centurion servant who is healed. And after we have that one, and that's, of course, where the centurion says, I, too, am a man under authority. I said this one, go, and he goes, and this one, come, and he comes. And Jesus said, I have not seen such faith in all Israel. He said, it is as you, you believe. And, and the guy went off, and his uh, uh servant was healed. But then in the, the next verse, cha- uh, same chapter, verse 11, Through sixteen, we have the widow's son. Remember the widow? She's over there, and just she's not in faith. She's got a dead son. They got the funeral going on. They apparently either going to the funeral or they're leaving the funeral to go bury the bury the boy, and she's all sad and upset. And Jesus looks over and he sees this funeral procession, and he has compassion on him, and he gets up into the cart and he takes off the lid and he raises the boy up. That happened there. That happened in a city called Nain which is about a day's journey from Capernaum southwest. About a day's journey. A little bit more inland from the Sea of Galilee, but that's about where it, where it would be at. And Jesus was over there. So he was in Capernaum, and then the, shortly thereafter, he's over here. Not quite a day's. It's about uh, I think mileage-wise, it's about 15, 20 miles. Uh, difference in there. So he's still in the same region. So now they've got a dead person that was raised up. Do you think people talked about that? Do we think we talked about the centurion because there's other people around and they heard he didn't even have to be there. He just said, speak the word and it'll be done. Oh, all right. We'll just do it that way then. And he spoke the word and it was done. And the servant was healed. Do you think people are spreading rumors about this? In the region of Galilee, Capernaum, all this Nazareth, all this area. This is all going on in the same area. We're just giving you stories that come from this area, this this spot. And so then he goes on in, in Mark and he teaches them the parables and the sower. And he crossed the Galilee and he healed the man with the legion. This is when he crossed over. And when he crossed over, to, it says he crossed over to the, the uh, city of Geraset. And where that is, Capernaum is up in the north end of the lake. If you went on, along the coast, southwest, right along the coast, you'll come to Geraset. And that's where he went. So when he crossed over, he crossed over that way. He's still in the same region. And he gets greeted by this guy with his legion. And he casts that one out. Do you think this man with a legion of demons was known? Yeah, they knew about stuff like that. They talked about crazy people in that, that kind of way. Now over here in verse 5, or chapter 5, verse 21. Now when Jesus had crossed over again, crossed over where? He was in Capernaum. He crossed over to Geraset, and then he crossed over again. Guess what? Guess where we are? We're back in Capernaum. We're still. We've always been in Galilee. We haven't left Galilee. He's still because we're still in the, around the region of Galilee because we're still at the sea. We're crossing over one place to another. We're still at the sea. And when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she will live. Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for twelve years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had. And was no better, but rather grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment, for she said, If I only, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Where did she get that notion from? Because the people in this region had pressed against him, and healing power left him and healed them. So the rumors of that went around in this area and she heard about that. She said, I just got to get near Jesus. If I just get near Jesus and I press up against Him like these other folks did, power will leave Him and come into me and I'll be healed. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus immediately, knowing in Himself that power had gone out of Him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? And the disciples looked around and said, wait a minute, we're in a crowd here. <laughs> I mean, have you ever walked in a mall? That's not as bad as this. We're in a crowd. Get out of the mall and think back to elementary or to, to high school years. Remember walking in the hallways in high school? Oh, man, you still know because you're still over in there. Oh, it was just, I mean, everybody is packed together. It's worse than a mall, isn't it? And you're all just kind of shuffling on through, trying to get on because everybody has to get in a certain spot and... You only have so much time. And they're all pressing against Jesus, though. They're all pressing against this one. And this this woman, she's fighting through them all, getting on through. And she gets in there and she touches them. And he says, Oh, oh, somebody touched me. (laughs) Are you kidding me? Look at all the people around. But you see, she heard about that. She had the expectation. She came on through. She touched him. No, no, no. Someone touched me. And this was different. Healing power went out. Apparently everybody else who was touching him wasn't drawing on the healing power like before, but this woman was going to draw on that, and she did that. Well, she got healed, and we know from the rest of the story that the report came that as soon as he got done with the woman, that the report came that the daughter was dead, and uh, the man was about ready. Jerry's about ready to get all upset, and Jesus said, "Do not fear. Do not fear. All things are possible. Do not fear." And he went on, and again, I love to get in all these stories. We've taught all these stories before. It's wonderful stuff to teach on. But we're just looking at the overall thing. What is Jesus looking at here when he, when he condemned these cities? And so he goes on over to the house where Jairus lives, and they're all mourning and moaning because this girl's dead. And he uh, puts them all out because they're all doubters. And he takes his uh, closest disciples, the mom and dad, and they go inside the room, and they raise her up, and she comes on out and says, give her something to eat. Do you think news of that spread around town? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. This is, these are some great miracles. And this is all in the same area. We haven't gone anyplace else. I mean, there's, there's some times he's took some, some trips here and there. But he spent a lot of time in this area ministering and doing things. Chapter 6, verse 1. Then he went out from there and came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. He couldn't do any miracles there, any great miracles, so he went around teaching. But then in the next one, we have him sending out the twelve. And he took the twelve and said, Look, I'm going to put authority on you. They won't receive from me but there's a chance they'll receive from you. I'm going to give you authority and you guys go out into this region because they've rejected me. And so you go on out and you lay hands on them. And they went on out and they came on back and they said, Wow, even the demons are subject to us. And they began to do the same thing that Jesus has been doing. Now we know that the John is, is beheaded here later on in the chapter. But then over in verse 30, we pick it up with the feeding of the 5,000. In what area are we in? His hometown? The Gal- region of Galilee. We're still in the region of Galilee. 5,000 people are fed in the region of Galilee. Do you think word about that spread around? Do you think any other visiting ministers had come on in and fed 5,000 people? And We know, of course, that's 5,000 men. They all probably had wives. And they all probably had kids. So the crowd was actually much larger than 5,000. And people... I was in the crowd. I was one of the ones. We had no idea what was going on. But wow, he fed us all those people. And I had all I wanted to eat too. I was full. I was full. I think was where the Taco Bell got their commercial from. You know, they got that commercial on full. Well, these folks, they, they ate and they were full. They were done. So, maybe he gets done this. And he says, we're going to go away to a deserted place and get some refreshing time. So immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him on the other side to Bethsaida. And while he sent the, the multitude away, and when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountains to pray. He wanted to get some time in by himself to pray. And then out, when evening came, he walked across the water. He was going to walk across the water, get to the other side, and greet them over there after they got there with the boat. But they saw him. And they got scared. <laughs> they saw this guy walking on the water. That doesn't usually happen. And you know all the story that went around with him walking on the water and Peter and so forth. But do you think that these guys came back on shore and told anybody about it? Probably. He, he walked on the water. Wow. He, he walked on the water? I mean, he casts out demons. He heals all kinds of sicknesses. He teaches like nobody's business. And he walked on water? And he's raised up dead people? And he's put the Pharisees and the Sadducees in their place? I mean, wow. This is something. Now, we just covered six chapters. But this is all going on in the region of Galilee. This is what Jesus said when we read in the beginning here. Let's go back to it over here in Matthew chapter 11, verse 20. Then he began to rebuke the cities in which most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. I don't know about you, but if somebody shows up in my city and does all these kind of things. I, and, I, and he says, I need to repent. I think I'm repenting. Yes, sir. What do I need to repent of? You tell me. What are you, Chorazin? What are you, Bethsaida? For the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon. They would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven, will be brought down to Hades for if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Sodom it would have remained until this day. Of all the cities that were in the region of Galilee doesn't it seem that Capernaum had the greatest works done? But I say to you there will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. They didn't repent. They saw all these wonderful things. And they don't collect all these things up and say wow this is something. Jesus, we got to find out about this guy. Whatever he's, I just need to follow him around and, and hear what he's teaching and grow. But they're not doing it. They are rejecting Jesus. And of course, when he comes over and he teaches that big message where, you know, when he feeds the 5,000, he is at the height of his popularity amongst the people. Yes. And then he comes on about and he teaches that message about eating my flesh and drinking my blood and all that and then they all leave. He turns to his disciples and says, you're going to leave too? And they say, who else has the words of life? And they stayed. want to go over to one more verse here. Verse uh, 53 in Mark chapter 6. When they crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret and anchored there. Again, we were there before. And again, this is just south southwest of Capernaum. And when they came out of the boat, immediately the people recognized him because he was there before ran through the whole surrounding region and began to carry about on beds those who were sick to wherever they heard he was. They saw Jesus. Oh, I know somebody's sick. And they run back to the city to get him. And then they run back into the area where he was and where did he go? And wherever it was they said he went, they went there. Whenever he entered into the villages, cities, or the country... They laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they may just touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched him were made well. This is the kind of miracles that the area of Galilee had seen. This is the kind of things that had gone on in this area. But then Jesus began to say some things that they did not understand. And they rejected all that had gone on because Jesus began to say some things that they didn't understand. And began to get to this place of rejecting Jesus. How many times have we had it in our life where God has ministered to us in so many ways? We have been healed. We have been set free. We have been forgiven. We have been blessed. We have been helped. We have been encouraged. All kinds of miracles God has done for us in the past And then all of a sudden, something happens and we don't understand it. And we're ready to pack in all the things that have gone on in the past. All the stuff that God had done for us because I don't understand what's going on now. There have been many a Christian who has followed after God, followed after God, followed after God. And God has blessed them. God has healed them. God has opened up His Word to them. God has shown teachings minister to them, giving them revelation through the Holy Spirit, encourage them. All sorts of things have gone on in their life. And then all of a sudden, something happens to them. Maybe they lose their job. Maybe they got into uh, some kind of a situation, some kind of a problem, financial situation. Maybe somebody close to them died or somebody close to them became ill or somebody close to them had a, had a divorce or a situation that came up. And they didn't understand how could that happen to someone. Have you ever been there? I think we all have. We have all had something go on that we do not understand. The folks in the region of Galilee had all these wonderful... I mean, we have not had these kind of things go on in our life, have we? We've had some wonderful things. We haven't quite seen this kind of stuff go on. And to pack it all in because... Well, Aunt Betsy, she died. Look again what Jesus said. He began to rebuke the cities in which most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Oh, we've taken for granted the things God has done for us at times. And whenever we get to that place and we hit something we don't understand and we go in the way of disobedience, it's not a good thing. Eve, back in the garden, she hit a thing she didn't understand. Well, the serpent says that if I eat of the tree, I'll have the knowledge of good and evil and I'll become like God. I don't understand that. Is God trying to keep something from me? And instead of looking at all the blessings and all the things God had done for them all the way up until then, they look at this one thing, they don't understand it, and they come to a conclusion. Boy, we reaped the benefits of that for a long time, haven't we? Children of Israel. All the miracles God worked to get them out of Egypt. All the miracles of the plagues. Bringing them up to the Red Sea. Parting the Red Sea. Bringing them on through. And then closing it on the Egyptian army. And they watched them all drown. And they come to a place and there's no water. And they say, God has brought us here to kill us. Is that not the same thing? God doesn't take to that too well. Oh, we, rem- we need to remember what it is that He's done. And God has done many things for all of us. How many of you God has given revelation? You have seen things in His Word. It's not because you're a great studier. It's just all of a sudden down in your spirit. Oh, I see what that means. Oh, I needed to have that. That ministers so much to me where I'm at right now. I know how to go on, to, how to do this now. You got a situation with, uh, friends, family, kids, wives, husbands, jobs. And you go to the Word of God and you sit and the Word of God says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally. And so you say, Father God, I'm here to ask of wisdom you. I don't know how to handle the situation. And as you're going along, minding your own business, just doing about your day, or you're sleeping there at night, all of a sudden God wakes you up and you have wisdom. <gasps> That's, that's it. That would work. Gives you wisdom. You know it's supernatural. Oh, thank you, Father God. I, and you go out there and you do the thing and it worked. And then you hit something that you don't understand. And you're ready to throw it all out. No, we don't want to do that. There will be things that we will all hit that we will not understand. Some things we're not privy to and know all the information about. Some things we just don't know all there is about God yet. I don't know about you, but I don't know all there is about God. Were these people who saw this many things, received such teaching and ministry, and benefited from miracles ever truly thankful? Were they ever really truly thankful? I mean, how many of you all know when they first got healed, the guy who got had leprosy, don't you know? He's thankful. The people, the, the widow who had a dead son raised up, wasn't she thankful? The woman with the issue of blood, wasn't she thankful? Jairus, don't you think she was thankful? See, these people in, in the region of Galilee who reject Jesus, there is probably not a single person alive in the region who was not affected by Jesus somehow. Probably not a single person who was not affected by hearing his teaching or seeing someone who was impacted by his teaching or knowing someone in the city who received healing directly or someone close to them was healed. Someone they saw walking around the city with certain conditions, they didn't have it anymore. Why? Jesus. There is probably nowhere that you can go in this whole region that some, and find someone who was not impacted. By the ministry of Jesus in some way. Even if they hadn't met Him face to face. They saw people who were impacted. They saw these things. And they turned their back on it. Truly thankful people. Stay that way always. Not just when it's easy. And beneficial. Truly thankful people. They stay that way always. They are always thankful. Not just when it's easy. And beneficial. How many of y'all know it is easy to get up in the morning and head out to church when it's 75 degrees? Oh, glory to God. 75 and sunny. I like 75 and sunny. I'm a little strange. I like 90. I know not everybody likes 90. I I like 95. I love heat. There's so much more you can do in heat. I love heat. Oh, heat's good. But 70, 75, that's good. 60 and 65, that's okay. It's better than 10. <laughs> 10's not as fun. <laughs> but and you know, you come out and it's 10 degrees and the wind is blowing. Probably not the first thing on your mind. It's like, oh, God, what a beautiful day. <laughs> as much as it is when it's 75 and sunny and the gentle breeze is blowing and the smell of flowers in the air. Oh, it's so. Nice clover, dog. God, look at this day. Oh, isn't it fun to be alive? Not everybody's thinking about that. When the snow was falling up to sixteen inches, and you know you had to get out there and shovel it. Not thinking about that so much. But you see, truly thankful people—they just stay that way. I'm always thankful. I don't need something to happen to make me thankful. I just am thankful. And that is the difference. When Jesus turned to his disciples. And he said to them, are you going to leave too? And he said, who else has the words of life? Who else has the words of life? Where else would we go? Because they had truly become thankful. They had hung on the words of Jesus. And they say, even when you teach stuff, we don't understand. We know you have the words of life. And it benefits us to stay with it and figure it out. Folks, this is a walk. It's not a feeling. It's a walk. It's not a feeling. Remember we looked at Jehoshaphat and they all went out in the battle and they had the praisers first and they're all doing it because God said put the praisers first. But with, it says that on the way back, they had the feeling of praising. They felt like praising on the way back. They There was a change that went on in there. But on the way out, they didn't have that feeling, but they still did it. You can be thankful even without the feeling. Don't feel like I have to generate that feeling in order to be thankful. Just keep on going through it. Going through. Father God, I thank you for today. Glory to God. I thank you for what I I thank you for the job I have. I thank you for the spouse I have. I thank you for the children I have. I thank you for the dog that I have. Thank you for the house that I have. I thank you for the co-workers I have. I thank you for my neighbors. I thank you for my church folks. I thank you for the friends. I thank you for the people that you have brought along in my path that have impacted me. Oh, I thank you for the things that have been Going on, I thank you for the things you've delivered me from that I haven't even seen. And we just stay thankful. And the devil wants to get in there and he wants you to begin to become unthankful for your wife, for your husband, for your kids, for your dog, for your house, for your job. Because if he can get you to become unthankful, that job doesn't appreciate you the way that it should. Yeah, they don't. I am worth so much more than they pay me. Can't believe they take advantage of me this way. What am I doing? I'm no longer thankful. No longer thankful, we walk in the in the way with our with our spouses. Can't believe my husband did that. Can't believe he said that. I can't believe my wife said that. I can't believe my wife did that. I can't believe my kids just. You see what the, you ungrateful kids. Oh, see what 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 had What the devil wants to get going on here is I've got to work inside your mindset to get you so that you are unthankful for something. Because the devil can work in that attitude of unthankfulness. Oh, just like he did with these folks. All these wonderful miracles that went on. And in the end, they reject Jesus. In the end, they say, nah. We don't want any part of that. Be on guard. Always. Be thankful. It is so important that we do. Always be thankful. Don't get into a place to grumble and complain. Well, Father, I thank you for my friends, but I really wish you wouldn't have provided this one over here. All the rest of them are good, but you know. (laughs) (laughs) No. Father God, I thank you you brought that person along and that I have some things to help them out, help them overcome. I thank you, Father, for the opportunity you give me to minister to that person. Just be thankful. Don't try and jump up anything. Just stay in that state of being thankful. And you will find out the devil has less of an opportunity to get into your life. Less of an opportunity to pull you into temptation. And you have far more opportunity for God to bless you, pour out revelation, pour out understanding, pour out wisdom to you. Because you hit something you don't understand. You don't become ungrateful for all the things that are behind you. You simply say, Father God, I have no idea what's going on in this situation but I'm still so thankful for all that you've done for me. And I'm thankful, thank you, that you will give me all the understanding I need on this situation and you will help me. Glory be to God. Would you all stand up with me? Oh, Father God, we thank you. You are our God. We would never get to the place that we would begin to think that everything about you we should know and understand. There's far more about you than we can ever know. We can't even know all the things about your creation, how this earth works, how this universe works. But Father, we choose to always be thankful for what you have blessed us with, the revelations you have given us, the joy that we've had, the blessings we've had, the protection, the understanding The way you've opened up your scriptures to us. Oh, just even for the fact that we have the Word of God with us. Father, we're thankful for the teachers that you have provided. For us to listen to on TV, on the radio, on the internet. All this stuff we get to hear and just grow in you. Father, we are so thankful for all that you've done. We want to keep our eyes on the things that you have blessed us with. The enemy wants to try and pull our eyes off of that. But I thank you for the help that you give us. Keep our eyes on you to always be thankful. We give you the praise and the glory for it. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Glory to God. Well, we've been on this about 11 weeks. I hope you are finding yourself getting into that place that you're seeing Thanksgiving the regular way. Just always be in a state of Thanksgiving. Hallelujah. Don't fall out of it. It is so important.